So how's Mr. Hartley doing? Not bad, not bad. Yourself? I feel, I, yeah, I feel like we I feel like we circle each other all the time, but we never actually. I mean, we directly interact on Facebook every once in a while. Yeah, it does seem like that. It does seem yeah. like that. I'll be popping in for a bit tomorrow. So yeah, I heard. I'll probably see you then. I heard for 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 uh, for Seeker Project One Zero Nine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alpha Dog. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool if if everyone had call signs. Right. That would just make life a lot yeah. simpler. I think. I don't know. Then you could. Then really you could, would. Yeah. I guess we kind of do, though. That's what screen names are for, right? I guess so. I mean, it kind of starts with the whole, you know, uh, you know, you got your CV handles, and then it kind of evolves well to IRC from there. Man, we call Kernel Linux. <laughs> yeah, there you go. What? Am I getting? Am I getting made fun of? I feel like I'm getting made fun of. I, I think basically you are. I am All just, right. a, just a little you bit. Shouldn't totally just, change it to Kernel like military. Like this I is a before. this is a poor week for you guys to make fun of me because right now I'm sitting in front of Mumble and I have a feeling this account is rather empowered. I feel like you walk around in a constant state of evaluating other operating systems as as they compare to Ubuntu and all other phone mobile operating systems as they compare to <laughs> Ubuntu Touch. <laughs> Not all I the do. time. Not all the time. In your spare time? Well, when I'm awake, yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Noah's on the nook. Noah's on the nook. Noah on the nook. Actually, really, and at yoga as well. Yeah, yeah. Actually, talk about that. Okay, (laughs) so hold on a second. I'm on a Think Center. I'm on a Lenovo Think Center. I'm on a nook. I'm on a yoga. It's just wow, man. Yeah, it's crazy. I got so many computers up in here. You're in studio at the moment. I am. Both of you. So you've not headed off to uh, the big jamboree yet. Not yet. No, that is uh, on Friday. Yeah. Oh, oh, wow. Noah, yeah. you, you're putting in some hours there, then. Noah came in early uh, last, uh, or late last week, so that way he could be here for the, for the big switch Angela to Linux effort, mm-hmm. uh, which was... His uh, uh, ongoing, Chris. You know, it's just, ongoing. You know, I will save it for the She's show. She's reinstalled yeah, yeah. OS 10 already. Yeah. I'll, I'll save no, it for the no, show. No, no, no. Don't, don't give it away. Don't give I'm it not, away. I, I didn't is give this, it away. Is this a show topic? Yeah, this is going to be a show topic. We got to talk. All right, about I'll, it. Save it for the show. We I'll save it. We got to save it for the show. But yeah. I'll just say, so Noah flew in. Uh, he got here Friday, uh, and um, he uh, so he basically sl- he eventually did get to sleep Sunday after last. Yeah. Oh, there you a couple go. Couple hours for like so, three so hours before we went to yeah. dinner. When Noah, no, neither nor I slept much from Friday until Sunday after Linux Action Show. Yeah. I think towards the end of last, you could start to tell both of us were getting a little cranky. Yeah. A little you night owls, you. Well, <laughs> it wasn't no. intentional. We didn't want to be. It's just there was, if we didn't stay up all night, there wasn't going to be a show in the morning. So we stood up all We just, and, and it wasn't just us either. No, yeah. No. Rakai, like he. Yeah, yeah Rakai. Yeah, Rikai, he's pulling double time. Like, Noah and I went off. Uh, I got like a solid two, three hours of sleep. Noah got a solid two, three hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rikai got zero. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. no, it's, he did get sleep. He just slept yeah, during last. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> Rikai slept during last while we were doing last, and then he woke up after last to continue working. We're gonna give him a burger wow. race because you know Rikai, if you're not aware, can be bought in Five Guys Burgers. Yeah, so people have no. You know, you think like, ah, oh, I become a podcaster. How easy must that be? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, a bacon God. burger. Show up for a day. Yeah, oh God. Show up for a day. <laughs> I'm seriously, this job's making me old. And that's and now here we're wearing ourselves out right before the big fest. Yeah, yeah. She can't. Here's the thing, though, Chris. You have to understand something. You you feel the stress right from the outside. This is amazing. Like, this is great. <laughs> Everyone wants to see. Nobody wants to see us roll in there and everything work on the first time. Yeah, nobody wants to see that. It's no fun. Yeah. Don't stress. Uh, I get the impression that things didn't no, go so well. No, we so can't talk about it. Not yet. Yeah, we'll yeah, save let, for the show. Yeah, let's, let's, right. let's discuss let's it. 
Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that has an anchor around its neck. Oh, wait a minute. Nope, that's a MacBook. My name is Chris. And my name is Matt. Hey there, Matt. Guess what? In studio, we've got a special guest, and that is Noah. Thanks for having me. Hey, Noah. I didn't have your mic muted. I had your mic muted because it's like, who's never? he's never in studio. Yeah, so. why would he talk? <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy. Well, I'm glad you're in studio. Yeah, Noah's hanging out because Linux Fest Northwest is coming up in just a few days, and we have been slaving away for hours before the show and after the show, converting my wife Angela to Linux. We have learned a lot, and in the process, we've also bought some new hardware. Which, <laughs> so, we will be giving you a review of the ThinkPad Yoga 2 in this week's episode three, of Linux three, Unplugged. Three. Oh, Yoga 3. Yeah. Sorry, Yoga 3. We went all out. Oh, shoot, shoot. And uh, we'll also tell you about that, but... um. After that, there's a very interesting thing going on with John Deere tractors. Yeah, I said John Deere tractors, but it on re- a Linux show. Yeah, it, it actually very much relates to Linux free yeah. software and free hardware, uh, and it's picked up a lot of traction in our subreddit this week. So we're going to talk about that as well as some great, great follow up since Linux Action Show. And today, like, I cannot believe how much good news has come out. It's a huge show this week. So uh, before we go any further, we cannot. We cannot take another moment without bringing in our Mumble Room. Time-appropriate greetings, Mumble Room. Hello. Hello. Oh, handsome group you are. Handsome group. Hello there, everybody. Man, it it is uh, lovely having you here, and I'll have to tell you what. I'm glad you are because we have got a great show, and we're going to break it down. Let's start, though, with a little follow-up, a little just stories we have talked about before on your Unplugged program that need a little little, uh, attention. Oh, hey there. How you doing? And that is your friends, our good buddies, everybody loves system D. What? No, not everybody. And uh, a group is doing something about it. One of the most uh, tantalizing components of system D is login D. And uh, it's something that you got to have if you're going to use, uh, like, say, GNOME 3 on Wayland. And uh, it's caused some consternation in the BSDs out there and all them folks. Well, I would like to introduce to you eLogin D. Uh, what essentially this is is Login D ripped out from System D, and it's going to become its own project to be a standalone version of Login D. So those distributions that don't want to use System D can put this in, have it be API compatible. It'll lay out on the file system. It'll integrate in with PAM, so that way it'll use PAM and Policy Kit or uh, Login Kit or whatever it is, a Paul Kit, Paul Kit. It'll use Paul Kit, so that way it works with the underlying authentication infrastructure. So you can get all the advantages of having Login D without System D. So is this? Have we reached a point now where we can stop saying things like Red Hat has taken over System D, and that's a that's a totally Red Hat thing, and nobody will else be able to play at the party because Red Hat controls the party? I mean, is this not a first step of allowing other people to do things different different ways? Well, and, I, I and mean, breaking compartmentalizing I guess, things out. Matt, uh, do you, in your opinion, is this uh, is this sort of proving all of the System D uh, proponents? point that was saying, look, if System D gets big, there's an API, you can clone the functionality. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? System D got big, and they cloned the functionality. Isn't that exactly what we're seeing play out here? Isn't, we're, we're, isn't all the naysaying, all the doom and gloom maybe turning out to be not quite accurate? Because look, look what we're doing right here. Mm-hmm. Is this proof of in the pudding, Matt? I think that the whole thing was just blown out of proportion. It's obviously people with entirely too much time on their hands that sit in their parents' basements whining and complaining about whatever. The, the point of it is, is that the whole thing's stupid. It, it's, this takes care of itself, and it's beginning to. I mean, the, you know, solutions are already making themselves evident. So, yes, in answer to the whole thing being blown out of proportion, absolutely. Hmm. And, and I wonder if anybody, anybody in the mumble room that wants to take the counter argument, you're more than welcome to. Uh, all right, yes, Daredevil, go I ahead. I actually would like to do that. Yeah. So... 
Uh, when it comes to to the complaining, well, that's pretty much what we do. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> that's, that's our purpose. We're here for that. We're here for that. Fair enough. The complaint is what improves the quality. That's my argument on that one. And, and on in service, we of, do it. Uh, and, and having on the like, uh, I guess it does prove the case because it shows that apparently there is enough people interested enough to 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 the point that they will do the effort of you know cloning and just having an API compatible. It's good that it has the API, but it's still work being done because it's getting too big. Right, right? And, and that API so, is unstable. It changes. So exactly. So it means that now there is quote unquote duplication of efforts, right? Something that we're always bitching about. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's what I feel. That's what I feel. Well put. But it does prove the. Okay, so uh, and I thought nothing, not, and it's early days. Not not a lot other than this to it, but uh, we the uh, the uh, system D. Drama does continue on its own way. Uh, all right. I thought this next story was particularly interesting. We talked about the whole Debian elections and all the stuff going around there and the different sort of platforms that the different candidates ran on. And I don't know if anybody else caught this, but I thought it was particularly uh, interesting that Neil McGovern, I think is his name, he's the one that ended up being elected as the new project lead for Debian. And part of his election platform, and you know maybe it won't be exactly this, but part of his election platform was introducing PPAs from Ubuntu into Debian to give users of Debian an easier way to install PPAs. Um, now, there, there could be a lot of ways to skin that cat. It might not be an exact implementation, although that seems like that would be the best for mm-hmm. user adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like it on the surface. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think, Wimpy? I think this is a great idea and, and probably a bit overdue. Because with Debian sort of two-year cadence, more or less, you know, or when it's ready, um, and really you've only got the backports repositories, and then, you know, if you're on a server platform, it's a little easier because some of the big projects maintain their own repositories for things like um, Nginx and Varnish and Postgres and things of that nature. But if you're a desktop user, you're kind of resorting to either sticking with what you were given or compiling stuff from source or making your own packages. So I think having PPAs brings us close to that stable base and then rolling applications on top, which is terrific. And you you don't have any concerns? You think the current PPA system is good enough that Debian, you think they just take it as is? I have no idea if they're just going to take what Ubuntu have already created. Doesn't that seem like that would be the most advantageous? But maybe they couldn't because there'd be too many differences between Debian and... Popey, isn't all the Launchpad stuff open now? So they could could potentially take all that. They could, but it comes along with, I think, a significant amount of baggage and it's all very well integrated into Launchpad. I think they want to do something akin to PPAs, but not like... You know, uh, uh, you know, going and getting Launchpad and putting it on a server somewhere and saying, there you go, there's PPAs for Debian. I think they just want, I mean, Debian archive admins know how to maintain an archive and a PPA is effectively a very small archive. That's right. all it is. Right. And it has behind it, it has builders. Uh, and so they, they would probably need to put restrictions on the PPA build in- infrastructure in the same way that we do so that PPAs only build like x86 and i386 or i686 um, and optionally ARMHF and optionally PowerPC and so on and so on. Otherwise, their builders are just going to be flooded with people in the same way that ours are sometimes, people uploading their own random like Firefox or Qt or OpenOffice, whatever, packages, um, which take a very long time to build. Um, you know, they, they need to put restrictions in place. And I, I think 
they're quite capable of doing that without hmm. using Launchpad. So, uh, Daredevil, are we putting the cart before the horse? You say that's not the first step. What is the first step? Yeah, okay, so apparently what they've just set out to, to be doing more often and more quickly is to, okay, select a core few, uh, set up packages to be core, handle those and things that are out of that spectrum. Let's not keep them around and trying to fix them as they have been doing. Ah. Let's drop them and let them come in again. And I think that is because they're getting... They're realizing the limited resources and they have more and more traction. And I, I'd say Valve and others as well coming more and more to Debian are opening that avenue. Right. So uh, PPS will be a next step type the scenario where, okay, if there's too many things being dropped so constantly, then we need to uh, figure out a way of, you know, allowing those to exist. Mm. And that's where PPAs fill in. But I think they're first streamlining the process that they already have, try to have that to be a quicker process for people to enter into the Debian project. Yeah. Then something with Yeah, you got to build that community to create the software and uh, package all that stuff. You got to cultivate all that. Okay, can I say something here? Yeah. I I personally like the idea because I think it would make uh, Debian a lot easier to use for us regular users who are not so really that much versed in the Linux world. Yeah, I think it would. I feel, it feels like it would make Del- whatever it is a PPA ripoff or not. Uh, it, I think it would encourage people to switch over to Debian from Ubuntu. I think if yep. that kind of availability was, I think it'd be one of the one of the things that keeps people on Ubuntu is that that mass software available availability. They might as well call uh, PPAs uh, Ubuntu crack. Really? Oh yeah. Why would, because, uh, why would they want <laughs> Ubuntu to back. switch from Ubuntu to Debian though? Uh, like it seems to me like right now Debian is aiming for a completely different mm. kind of user than I Ubuntu agree. is. I agree. Well, I, uh, I I do I can see that. However, uh, Debian stable is appealing to a certain class of machine. I mean, there's a yep. you know there's a workstation class or a server class where Debian stable has a real place to it, and, uh, yes. and there's also political yeah. reasons as well, I suppose. But, if you install Debian stable and then put uh, a whole lot of packages from PPAs that yeah, are maintained yeah. by some random people, it's not really Debian stable right. anymore. Right. And the reality is that I think they, they, they target drast- drastically well, different. Is this going to change what, what we think of Debian? Is this going to change Debian a little bit? I don't know. Do you think you're still you – know, right yeah. now? No. I can tell you right now, no. Because yeah. there's already a way to install uh, packages or build – Sure, sure. Packages for Debian. Well, and there's third-party the repos. files from. Well, you can use the build uh, files from Launchpad from PPAs to build the packages <laughs> on Debian, right? Yeah. So there's kind of a, this workaround yeah. way to use PPAs on Debian. I like. Well, hold uh, on. This will just I like streamline this. the process. Q5 sys uh, producer Q5 sys says Debian's user repository will be called the Dir. <laughs> Not a great name. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the reality is that I would put my mother on Ubuntu. Even if I had access to all the software in PPA, I still wouldn't be. I still don't think I'd feel comfortable sticking around a Debian box. Huh. I mean, unless I'm going me to be neither. there constantly to do stuff for. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I, I've been using Ubuntu for going on three years, and I, and I just recently tried a, De- a Debian-based uh, distro, AV Linux, and let me tell you, it was uh, quite a bit difficult for me to use. So yeah, I like Ubuntu and Ubuntu-based uh, derivatives a, a lot better. Yeah, um, but. That, I suppose I, I yeah I, I'm 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 reaching to really come for a good answer to that question so mm-hmm. I'll grant you that uh, Daredevil all right uh, your closing thought on uh, the uh, zero install so zero install is this type of package manager really that is 
allows you to quickly install something that is listed on a website. And it pretty much is able to pick up from tarballs or mm. search your package manager, see what's already installed, use that, but installs like a, a different environment for that package. Allows you pretty much to have these foreign packages. Huh. I think that might be a way of having, okay, this is an exception to my stable system. And it is kind of better than a PPA necessarily. That's my impression. And it's already working with Debian. They are actually making efforts and it works on Windows even. So I don't know how is that going, but it is an interesting project. Hmm. Interesting. A zero install. I uh, I find all of this stuff so much potential and yet still so far away. But I'll tell you what's here today, what you can capture today in your very hands, listeners. And that is our first sponsor, DigitalOcean. Go over to DigitalOcean.com right now and check them out and use our promo code of absolute knowledge and power, D-O, unplugged, lowercase one word. Noah's got like a jillion droplets. I'm sure he used the promo code DO Unplugged on his account. Absolutely. That way you got a $10 credit. So you could try out DigitalOcean two months for absolute. What, what, wait, what? You don't know it. What? You don't know what DigitalOcean is? Well, DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up your own cloud server that you're going to have root Dizzle access to up in the cloud sizzle. And that's right. They're going to use the HTML5 Nizzles so you don't even have to have Java when you want that console. You can watch it from... Uh, Post all the way up to your login screen, and you get started in less than 55 seconds. And pricing plans start at only $5 for one outrageous month. $5 for a month. Man, I was just trying to think. You and I went out today to the walk. Yeah. And we spent $30 on lunch. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, you can't. I mean, that's you can insane. Barely, I mean, can you get ice cream anymore? You go to Cold Stone, you'll spend seven dollars on ice cream. That's insane. That lasts like fifteen seconds. That is nuts. And so, so for five dollars a month, you can get five hundred twelve megabytes of RAM, a twenty gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a frickin' terabyte of transfer. Yeah, a frickin' terabyte of transfer. Yeah, a frickin' terabyte of transfer for five dollars a month. It's just it's nuts. And they got data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, and a brand brand new one in Germany. I'm going to tell you about that because it's hot. It's hot. And their interface. Speaking of hot, their interface is amazing. You think GNOME 3 looks good? I think so. Yeah. GNOME 3 ain't got nothing on DigitalOcean's interface. DigitalOcean's interface is out. I would, if I could legally get married to DigitalOcean's interface in the state of Washington, yeah. I think I would consider that. I mean, Give it five years. I, first of all, I would like to have multiple marriages. I don't feel like I should leave my existing wife over that, but no. I also feel like I have room for another wife yeah. if that wife is DigitalOcean's dashboard. Yeah, especially looking that good. And of that pricing structure. And and DigitalOcean really just, like, come on, the perfect spouse? The perfect spouse has an API. Let's admit it. <laughs> we all wish our significant others had an API. DigitalOcean, you're my significant other. You've got an API. It's very straightforward. They just released the brand new version, so you can replicate the functionality of their dashboard on a very, very straightforward basis. Plus, there's tons of great community apps where you take advantage of the API and the apps around that. And if you didn't ever need to use that, their dashboard's going to take care of all your problems. You've got full DNS management. You can take snapshots of your servers. You can build servers from previous snapshots to save a ton of time. Of course, they got tons of one-click installations so you can deploy the latest and greatest software on top of your latest and greatest Linux installation, right it on top of KVM that sits on top of Linux, on top of those great SSDs connected to Tier 1 bandwidth with data centers all over the world. Remember how I mentioned they had a brand new data center? That's right. They got a brand new one in Germany. And what I love about this data center is it is hooked up. They got 40 gigabit e-networking to each hypervisor. They got their fastest yet SSDs on those hypervisors. And the data center sits on top of the German German Commercial Internet Exchange, the largest internet exchange point worldwide by peak traffic, serves German's neighboring countries with unparalleled connectivity and speeds. $5 a month. DO Unplugged. DO Unplugged. One word. DO Unplugged. Lowercase. $10 credit. Try out your own Linux rig. They got free BSD too. I don't know why you'd want that. 
They got that, though. They also have CoreOS. Now, I know why you'd want that. Containerization with a rolling base, and they have direct channel upstream from CoreOS. That's super badass. That's a long-term infrastructure that's totally worth investing some skill set and time and learning, and you can get started two months absolutely free up on a production droplet where you can point people at that, you can point services at that. CoreOS is something you should check out. Do it for free. DL1 plug, two months absolutely free. DigitalOcean.com. No, have you played with CoreOS yet? I have not really played with no, CoreOS. I have, ho- I have, however, uh, played with DigitalOcean using um, mm-hmm. X2Go. Oh, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You got mm-hmm. an X2Go up there, huh? Mm-hmm. That is nice. All right. So, uh, DigitalOcean.com, DO Unplugged. Thank you, DigitalOcean, for sponsoring the Linux Unplugged program. All right. So, uh, Wimpy, is it uh, customary? Now, I know this is just in uh, your opinion, but is it customary uh, for Canonical to uh, make up crazy random numbers in uh, their press releases? Or if, if, uh, if Canonical writes, today we count over 25 million users, and that number keeps going rapidly, is that, is that trustable? Is that 25 million number legit? Because that seems, you know, cray. I I have no idea, no idea where those numbers come from. Popey, Popey. <laughs> I'd say it's what? trustable. What do you think, Popey? Do it's you think not, it's not invisible? If you, if you look at just the digital ocean being the most popular one, you think about okay, if it's the most popular, at least thirty percent of that. Okay, you can count a, a good numbers of that. All you right, and it's at, on it's oh, on EC two a lot, right? It's on a lot of cloud installations. Yeah, it's very, it's very, I mean, it doesn't sound too off, honestly. Why do you right, say that? So that number, that number 20 million was quoted from Mark years ago, like, yeah. I don't know, five years ago, something like that. And the, within the first week or so of me starting at Canonical, someone mentioned numbers. And so I asked on an internal mailing list, look, this 20 million number has been bannered about a lot. Is, is there an up-to-date number? And now bear in mind, I started at Canonical three and a half years ago. And I asked that question. And I had a conversation, uh, unfortunately, internal, private conversation with someone who explained where that number came from and that it, you know, it, it was as accurate as we could make it given that you know it's possible for someone to install Ubuntu and be behind a firewall. And so we have no idea and, and pass the CD around and we have no idea of that install, right? So mm-hmm. we... You know, we can't be 100% accurate, but based on, you know, various things, uh, you know, people upgrading hits on Launchpad, archive hits, NTP update hits, all, you know, all kinds of stuff. We can make an educated guess, right? And that was some years ago. The, the, the trajectory, the graph was going in a particular direction, and we could extrapolate forward and continue to monitor those numbers. And yeah, they're not inaccurate. But that number 20 million was some years ago and people keep asking us for an updated number. And I, I personally think that the company regrets ever giving that number out because people keep on asking for an updated number. Hmm. And I think that might be. So you think 25 million is a, is a trended estimate is what you're saying? No, I personally think 25 million is massively under. Ah, really? I I personally think it's way higher than that. But I have no evidence. I can't. I can't possibly corroborate that, or I have no, no data to to provide to back that assertion up. So you, know, you could take that with a grain of salt because I work for Canonical. Sure, and I'm yeah. passionate about Ubuntu. But you, when you so. factor in, like it's one of the major use cases for uh, for Ubuntu is the cloud deployments, and in number one thing about a cloud deployment is probably behind a firewall. I mean, like a lot of those, like the number one use case for, for Ubuntu server is generally behind a firewall, and it's going to be harder to count if they're all coming from one IP to check in updates and whatnot. 
Right, and if a company spins up 20, 30, 100, 300, right. we just wouldn't know. And then, that. and then to make that even harder, then you have, like, when you have, when you have companies that have a lot of Ubuntu machines, a lot right. of times they do internal repos. Right, and, th- and that's what I, that's kind of where I was thinking of. At first, I was like, wow, that seems high. And then I thought about it, and I'm like, man, in Grand Forks alone, and we're only a town of 50,000 people, we have Amazon, they have 4,000 workstations, and I know for a fact every one of them is running Ubuntu desktop. Hmm. So you look at that, and now you extrapolate that and say, well, if they're doing that, they're probably doing that at every Amazon call center. How many computers is that? In addition to all the computers that we have at home, in addition to all the computers that we have in the cloud, in addition to all the computers that places like Google. And you think about how cheap a VM is these days. People just have thousands of them. Yeah. But I mean, like even Google has their their workstations that they they do work on. It's a modified version of Ubuntu, but it is Ubuntu. When I say people have thousands, I I mean people like data centers. I don't mean people like us. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's data centers where there could be a thousand VMs in in one data center. And maybe they're only doing a few things. So so then that number starts to seem highly realistic, if not low. What are you going to say, Poppy? I, I, I think people get really hung up on the numbers and and really um, what I part of the problem is, you know, a lot of the time developers want to see numbers to be able to yeah. um, know that there there is a target audience. Is it worth my investment of time? Exactly. And and I I can see why people want more accurate more accurate details. But really in the large scale of things I'm not I'm not sure that, you know, having super accurate numbers about exactly how many deployments there are. I mean, it's good for, for Apple mm. to go on. It's great for for Tim Cook to go on stage and say, we've sold X million, you know, iPhones or iPads or MacBook Pros because there's a share price there that, that you know, the, the market, they're interested in keeping the market happy. Mm-hmm. Canonical is yeah. a privately held yeah. company. Yeah. We don't have any shares, right. you know, publicly traded shares. Right. So that's not important to us yeah. to make those announcements. So it's a different kettle of fish, really. Can I I wanted to ask you something that I think I'm reading the wrong way. And I know you're not an expert in these areas, and so I'm not asking for an official canonical opinion. But uh, I I always think of you know friends of the show like System76 when, I, when I'm seeing kind of hardware-related announcements from Canonical. And uh, – I wanted to talk about certified hardware images. And so it reads as this. The Ubuntu image preload, this is, an, this is on the same announcement. Uh, so the Ubuntu image preload will come with all the drivers integrated and maintained throughout the life cycle of the Ubuntu version. So this is a certified image from Canonical. The end clients were to use a standard image from Ubuntu.com. It's likely that not all components will work. So here's what I'm, here's what I'm taking away from this. This is how will Ubuntu certified images differ from the Ubuntu.com images. An Ubuntu certified image offers end users radically different experiences because all components within the hardware will simply work out of the box and continue to offer great performance throughout the life of the Ubuntu version. Canonical will ensure that any modifications that may be necessary due to security, updates, and patches are fully tested and integrated into the master image before the updates are pushed out to market. So this would be like an OEM image provided to Dell or somebody like that. But the way I also sort of can secondarily read this is if you're buying hardware from vendors like System76, that's that's sort of like a doc. That's the image they downloaded off of the website. We can't guarantee that. But if you want to buy a certified laptop with a Canonical certified image, that is going to be maintained by Canonical. So essentially, Canonical is going to kind of, kind of do the job System76 has been doing, where System76 has you know made any drivers or changes or patches needed to make Linux work well. Now Canonical is kind of taking that role on, but offering it to almost any hardware OEM. Am I following this? We've had uh, an engineering services group for years that have done this. Right. This is not new. So this you know, we've, is this being so opened for example, up? Uh, Why is this in this n- announcement? Not really. 
Well, I think it's more that people just didn't know we did it. Okay, that's what so, I was trying to understand is what's been changed. I think part of this came from a, a, a conversation that was had internally about the new Dell Sputnik, right? So there was a there was a conversation on Intel mailing list where um, an engineer says, "Yeah, what laptop should I buy?" and and someone says, "Well, you should buy the Dell one because you know it it, it works really well." And there were I know you and others have reported problems with the Windows version of the Dell laptop. That's all pretty much gone. The Windows now, version, right? But the, the Linux version is now available. Yeah. And the, we helped Dell make that work, right? So it wasn't Dell that did that. It right. was a collaboration between right. Canonical and Dell. Right. So someone's got to do that and someone's got to pay for that work. It kind of does, so but it kind of sounds like there. it does kind of sound like it creates a, uh, a difference between the vendors that have certified images and the vendors that don't that maybe. Right. Well, someone's got to do that work. Right? Somebody should so, be. A- so there's got to be a commercial relationship going on between Dell and Canonical right. in order to make a, an excellent experience for people who. Yeah. I don't want people to go to Dell.com, type Ubuntu, get a laptop and it arrive and so, the wireless doesn't work. What I'm trying Maybe to ask, though, is like uh, if I were to buy a certified, a Canonical certified Ubuntu machine. The updates for that machine would actually be be developed by Canonical, not the OEM I bought them from. Am I following? Um, it's it's or collaboration. It okay. There's there's, a, ah. there's the Canonical and Dell work together. So it on depends that. on what the what arrangement is. is. Right, okay. but it's the, so the whole point of this is getting a machine out the door that that is satisfactory for Dell's customers or whoever that OEM is. And what we're saying is we'll work with you to make sure it works. You know, it's, it's a positive thing. It's not, you know, there's an ISO image, chuck that on your machine and off you go and good luck. Yeah. We want, we want you to have a good experience. We want your customers to have a good experience. We want the touchpad to work. We want the touchscreen to work. We want the, the Wi-Fi to work and we'll help you to do that. That's, that's part of the value add that we're trying to offer is that, that's what that, that press release is really all about is like, you know, look at the services that we offer that actually, can make the experience for your customers better. I love you, Popey. Uh, so while we're talking about hardware, I wanted to mention the uh, Yoga 3 that uh, we ended up picking up, which we'll tell you more about here in a little bit, why we just picked this up. And uh, I'm going to hold it up to the camera. Here, no, do you mind if I steal this? So Noah right now is installing uh, on the Yoga 3. And uh, what's been your first impression, Noah, out-of-the-box compatibility Unbelievable. with ThinkPad? Yeah, I mean... So the, why But why are we doing a USB Ethernet? Well, right so, now? okay, that, so that just the, the wireless needs to get uh, the updated drivers uh, before it will work, um, which I need the internet, and that, that wireless card is really finicky. Um, it, uh, it, it, uh, it, the laptop is incredibly well-built, as you would expect from Lenovo. And in true Lenovo fashion, uh, to get it to boot, um, instead of having to do some stupid, goofy, shutting UEFI off and all that other crap, there's a little button. You push a little button, and now you're booting USB. <laughs> and it, di- it disables secure disables boot secure just by boot, pushing the button. It disables the UEFI. You can do b- regular BIOS boot the whole nine yards. Um, yeah, but yeah, the only thing is the uh, before uh, I, I understand uh, from from the from the Google that once uh, the operating system is installed, and all the updates are done, we'll have um, drivers support for uh, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Right now, that doesn't seem to be the case. Hmm. So what we have is we have a wired Ethernet adapter. The problem is the wired Ethernet adapter keeps coming unplugged, and then my down my downloading package things. Uh, no, you no, didn't. Okay. So thanks, but yeah. it, 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 it's it's really finicky, and or the cable's finicky. I don't know, but so it keeps this is out the 1080p screen version. Yeah, and which, uh, having seen this compared to your 4K XPS, 
It's still this really one good. all the way, yeah. Yeah, and then you don't have to worry about all the weird high DPI stuff. Frankly, I'd prefer this. Yeah. I mean, I'm being honest. I, well, I, after I saw this, I was like, gosh, I kind of want to give Angie the XPS. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so uh, we're going to tell you why we're doing the yoga over the MacBook later on in the show. Yeah. But uh, so right now, if somebody was just coming to you and say, Noah, I'm at Best Buy and I want to pick up a machine that can run Linux and I know they sell the Yoga 3 at Best Buy, would you say go ahead and pick this yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. Even mean, though the Wi Fi is not working yet? Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to. Maybe I would we'll like get you to it working by the end of the show. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd like you to ask me that question again in 20 minutes. But, okay. Uh, but uh, you, work, you work on it during the show. I will, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll see if you get the Wi-Fi going. Now, if that assume, that's assuming we don't knock off the uh, the adapter. Now, also uh, now, if all goes well, you'll see Angela rocking her new uh, Yoga Three at Linux Fest Northwest, April twenty fifth and twenty sixth. That's this weekend. If you can't be there in person, we'll be streaming it live Saturday and Sunday. JBLive.tv, and we'd love to have you tune in and hang out in the chat room. We'll be taking questions when we have guests from the chat room and it should be a pretty good pretty fun experience it's been fun the last couple of years at least mm-hmm. are you excited i am i'm super excited yeah matt are you excited oh definitely i've been looking forward to it all year now matt I, uh, if there were say going to be cake at the booth would you i mean would you have like even a bite i can't i'm, I'm literally I'm, paying right, for so, it well, i, had, I actually then. had cake here yeah no, no, i'm not saying yeah. there's gonna be cake don't assume okay. there's gonna be cake <laughs> did somebody say there's gonna be cake? no guys but uh, matt what we'll no do cake. is we'll arrange it so if there was going to be cake. You're as far away from it as possible, so you're not tempted. Because all I'm saying, if there was going to be cake, it's going to be delicious cake. If there was going to be cake. <laughs> will be so chocolate. We'll I'll make bring sure snacks. That, I'll be okay. We'll make sure that we'll put you as far away from this delicious cake as possible. And if you, oh, you know what we'll do is maybe if people just show up at the booth, they can eat all the cake for you. Yeah, if there was going to be cake. Work. But the cake's probably a lie. Linux Fest Northwest is going to be awesome. We'll be doing a party on Saturday evening. You can go to meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting, and we'll have final details in the Linux Fest Northwest event as that approaches. And I'm really excited. I'm, I'm, it's all in. Now, uh, wh- who are you picking up tonight? You're, where are you going after this? I thing? don't know. I have to, I'll have to look up. Uh, it's, I think Ellen is, uh, is tonight. Yeah. Uh, there's people coming at all, all hours of the day, all different days of the week. So uh, it's going to be an ongoing process, but uh, that's just another you're service a, we provide. You're a trooper, Noah. You're a real trooper. I, I think you're a, you're a, what do they call it? What is the, what's like the guy that does like the uh, evac stuff? You, I think they call you a, 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 a gopher. No, I was going yeah. to give you something, <laughs> I was gonna give you something better than that, man. I was going to give you something better Jupiter than broadcasting that. Broadcasting professional nah, assistant. come on, come on, no, come on. No. All right, so let me tell you about our buddies over at Linux Academy because they just had a freaking great, great week. Uh, since we got uh, together last year on the Linux Unplugged show, uh, Linux Academy had their big live special uh, on uh, the 16th. And, man, you guys, it's like a serious, serious thing. And so I've got a little summary for you, but I encourage you to go over to linuxacademy.com right now. In fact, go to linuxacademy.com slash unplug. That way you get our 33% unplug discount, and you're going to be impressed by this. So if you don't know about Linux Academy, they've been a sponsor for a little while. They are a resource for you to go learn really some of the best technology in Linux and open source. It's built by people that are truly enthusiastic about this stuff, so they really close that 10% gap. It's not a site that does like Photoshop tutorials, camera tutorials, After Effects tutorials, Broken Sync tutorials, and an Apache server tutorial. (laughs) They only focus on the Linux and the open source stuff because that's what they eat and breathe. They got together with their buddies that are educators and developers, and they created the Linux Academy platform. There's seven plus Linux distributions that you get to choose from that automatically adjust the courseware to match that distribution and also make sure that the virtual machines match the courseware. So if you choose an Ubuntu box for the courseware, then the virtual machine is Ubuntu box. Once you spin up that virtual box, you get a public IP address too. You get SSH up to that bad boy so you get to work from your desk. Maybe load up Mosh or something like that, so that way it's real responsive. That's how I prefer to work. My lesson in my Quake terminal, it's outrageous. <laughs> they have scenario-based labs, so that way you really get hands-on with the technology, so you really know what you're doing. 
They have everything from Linux essentials up to OpenStack, Docker, virtualization. But after the 16th, it just they just blew it off the door. It, they, it's just like the door came in and smacked me in the face. And was like, oh my gosh, I had to print it out. Look at this right here. I got yeah two pages. And how how small is that type? Yeah. Yeah, that, wow, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, it's crazy. That's how much stuff they did. So I'm just going to read through a couple of these things because like, I'm just going to be reading off this for a little while because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, so uh, a couple of things. Let's see, what are you guys going to love the most? Uh, they have new types of in-depth courses that are totally nuts. Uh, you'll really seriously get in-depth with that technology, so you're really going to understand it. But they are also like, hey, you know what? Sometimes there's just like small nuggets of stuff you need to learn. Mm-hmm. It's not really attached to any specific courseware. So they have nuggets now. So when you have downtime, you just want to ju- jump in and learn something new. It's a really cool. It's a single how-to that allows you to walk through specific tasks. They're not really course-related. I like it. About 2 to 60 minutes long, depending on which one it is. It's brand new, something they just introduced. Uh, also, uh, I love, love, love this. I'm going to tell you about all the other things they've done, but I think you guys are going to think this is pretty, annou- pretty neat. They're announcing the Linux Academy Foundation Open Source Grant Program. They're going to give a $5,000 grant to an open source program. Which That's is pretty, amazing. pretty awesome. So they are, they are truly they're community members. They've yeah. given back. Any open source license project can apply for this grant. Uh, they have an external page up shortly, so we'll tell you more about it when I learn more about it. Uh, they, Linux Academy, this is, this is the guy, this is an email he sent me, so they believe mm-hmm. in supporting open source and ensuring great projects have a lasting future in the community. In order to celebrate and support open source, uh, this is the email he sent to me. This is not even an ad pitch. This is what, right, he, wrote, this right. is what he wrote me. Uh, in order to support open source, the Linux Academy Foundation will be opening the applications for open source projects to receive either part or all of the $5,000 grant. We believe in bettering the community, and we are excited to have the help of the Founders Club members. I'll tell you more about the Founders Club members soon. And vote on which projects will receive the grant. So you can become a member of the Founders Club at Linux Academy, and you can get a say in which projects will receive the grant. I think that's awesome. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplug to get our 33% discount. And uh, go up, try it out. You get it applied to all of the courseware there, and there's a ton of good stuff. Now, Chris, that's only the stuff that they told you about, right? Because here's the thing. I was at dinner the other night, and we sat down, and what did producer q 5 Sis ask? He goes, hey, I heard you talking about XYZ Ruby. course. Ruby, yeah, yeah, Ruby. I I don't see that on their site. Yeah, I don't they got see Ruby. that Yeah, they got Ruby courseware, Python courseware. I know. After Linux Fest, I'm going to have to dig into one of them. I just don't know which one. Uh, so it's one, one of those things where you have they, – they offer so many different services and so many different courses, they can't – even you won't be able to include all those in a sales pitch. You'd almost have to sign up for an account and try it for a month and see Yeah, you know, happens. it's funny. That's funny you say that because uh, a lot of times, like, I kind of get, like, in a – I get, like, in a zone of what I've been interested in, mm-hmm. and then I and I get out of my course when I realize, oh, wow, yeah, that's right. They have, like – a ton of other stuff I should mention from time to time because it's just it's one of those things where you, until you go see it yourself, you don't really have an idea of the, the depth of courseware, uh, and that's why I, I really like their model a lot. Uh, all right, so let's talk about Angela's uh, switch to Linux. And uh, 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 wow, uh, what a monstrous event this has been! So we ended up deciding that Angela has a MacBook, and uh, she really likes the MacBook, but mm-hmm. she's willing to try Linux. So let's get Linux on her MacBook. Mm-hmm. But because her pictures and her data are so precious, plus we don't want to interrupt her workflow, we t- set it up on a secondary MacBook, mm-hmm. which uh, is actually a pretty good rig. Uh, it was a 2011 model, uh, pretty high-end, 16 gigabytes of RAM, 512 gigabyte Apple SSD, uh, dedicated ATI graphics with the extra memory added, uh, a high-resolution, non-reflective screen, mm-hmm. Core i7 processor. So this is a high-end <laughs> MacBook Pro that had died. Yeah. Right. It was dead. I'd say so. Yeah, it was dead. And then Apple just recently said, hey, so those of you who had this GPU issue a couple of years ago, we'll replace it for free. And so we took the MacBook into Apple's store, and we gave him the MacBook, and Apple said, uh, your uh, battery's dead. We can't test it. Well, the guy did some magic. He hooked up to a supercharger, and he got the battery working. 
And he did a test. He said, yeah, your GPU failed. So we went down there. We picked up the MacBook after they fixed it for free. And he's like, hey, I threw in a free battery for you, too. So they replaced the battery, the logic board, the GPU. So now we essentially have a brand new MacBook that just has 2011 parts, but it's a new motherboard, new GPU, new battery. So we're like, we'll use this as Angela's laptop. That way we don't even hurt her existing laptop, but we will prove the point that she, to her that she'll be able to use Linux on her MacBook. Mm-hmm. And that was the original sort of idea that we set off with about Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really, we started out with that. Yeah, we, I mean, we started talking about it, you know, early Friday and then started putting these pieces into these these pieces of the puzzle into action late Friday. And what we kept finding was there was tiny little roadblocks. And you know how you write those off, because as yeah. somebody who troubleshoots, I mean, it wouldn't be any fun if it worked the first time. Yeah. So, having a good time. so it doesn't work. So we try something else. It doesn't yeah. work. We can try something else. Yeah. And we start we, we, we're pinging developers and we're trying different things. We are literally talking to the developers of the distributions we're trying. And, and so and so <laughs> fast forward 24 hours later, we have now reloaded the machine no less than three times. We now have three and, different bootloaders. And we've we tried have, it like with OS X, with no OS X, with Refine, with no Refine. Yeah, but we wound up with three bootloaders, Refine, Refit, and Grub, all three of which could get you could you could cl- if you clicked on the right option, you would get into this endless boot cycle where one would boot into the other, would boot into the other, would boot into the other. And eventually, at some point, we decided this just uh, this just isn't going to work. So we decided we're going to bed. That's it. We quit. Yeah. We go to bed. I go to take a shower. I get back up, and Rekai's like, "No, man." We're going to get this to work. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm like halfway through planning a, an alternative episode. Yeah. I'm like, we're never going to make it. At what time in the morning is this? Oh, you this say? is about 7 a.m. 7 a.m. So and the Linux action show goes live at 10, 10. a.m. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so we have like three hours. Mind you, it took us two hours the first time to copy all of our data. Yeah. But we gotten pretty good at that at yeah. this point yeah. because like we were figuring out exactly you know, yeah. the best way to get that done. Man, I can change permissions from HFS back to, to EXT4 like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, right? Yeah. So 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 we, we're, we're, getting this, we're getting this stuff done. And the, the frustrating thing apart part about it is the computer that we're working on is actually really decent hardware. Yeah. I I don't think there's anyone I- involved in JB that hates Apple as much as I do. And I have to admit, that's a nice machine. Every time we look at it, yeah. we look at it and we're like, actually, yeah, it's, it's a nice not machine. a bad machine. Yeah, yeah. And when we could get things to work, they worked they actually work pretty yeah. well. But it's when you have a new Linux user, and I have dealt with this numerous times, it has to work the first time. Yeah. You don't have room right. for failure. Definitely. And, then, and then we have all these little nuances from the production standpoint that like other people like maybe would just write off. Like we have to have HDMI mirroring because we right. have to show the audience Angela's computer. Exactly. So if we don't get HDMI, so then that sends us down the path of okay, that means we now have to get the ATI dedicated graphics working. And then this sends us down to all of these different modes. We have to pass yep. the Grub menu, or we have to put in Grub in Grub mm-hmm. config so that way, or type it in at the Grub menu at boot so that way the ATI card gets activated over the Intel card. All these little because things. we can only boot in UEFI. We can't and, use the BIOS part. And it's like if you know what I was thinking to myself during this time I was like, man, you know if this was my rig i would totally be willing to tinker with this stuff Mm -hmm. but this is like i don't want to blow this i really 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 don't want opportunity it seriously is i've said it before but like there a crack has opened in the apple ecosystem for us to take advantage for her and mm -hmm. her workflow and and in my entire relationship with her i've i've been with her for 17 years i have never had an advantage like this and i'm like this is our moment two advantages because the other thing was when she sat down and saw Antergos for the first time, yeah. that blew her away. She and liked then, it. And then it was a double punch. She got hit with, with triple punch. She got hit with an awesome hardware, awesome software. Yeah. And then the chat room did a bang up job of saying, hey, hey, that's cool that she's using hardcore Linux. Yeah. And then she got into that. Yeah. And then yeah. she's like, hey, they think I'm, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're really proud of me. I'm using real Linux. And, and yeah. so now, now anything Definitely else like Ubuntu like, or elementary OS is, is kind of out of the yeah. out of the picture. We yeah. have to do Antegros and we have yeah. to do it right. So we were starting to think, you know, the problem is, is uh, 
Uh, there are a few things that are finicky, like uh, we're still having a problems with dual display, which is a critical part of her workflow for like spreadsheet stuff that she's working on. We're still having issues with the dedicated graphics. We can get Intel graphics working, but we're right now I'm not sure where we're at with the ATI graphics. And so Noah and I have been going back and forth and like, we really, really, really don't want to mess this up. And we don't want her to have any troubles with this. And if she ever does have troubles, we want to be able to bounce back immediately. So that way we don't want her to think, boy, if something ever goes wrong, I'm out for a couple of days. Because right. then she's going to be petrified the entire mm-hmm. time. I know how she works. Mm-hmm. That'll scare the crap out of her. It'll scare the crap out of me. So uh, we decided to sort of preemptively grab this Yoga 3 laptop, hoping uh, that it might work out as a little bit more of a stable machine, but still meet those sort of build requirements that she has, the yeah. expectations she has from her MacBook, mm-hmm. uh, and, and have the keyboard and all that that she expects from her MacBook and the, and the weight and portability. In fact, this thing is thinner than the new Mac, uh, than Just the, the new Mac, Mac book. book that they keep touting, and it was funny because Lenovo actually sent out a tweet that said, "Oh yeah," and then they they gave the actual dimensions. They're like, "Real cool, Apple." That yeah. was so last and, year. And this was also one of the number one recommended laptops from our audience. Now the thing is, is right now we are not in a position to do this, especially with Linux Fest coming here. We're totally yeah. not in a position to do this. Well, we are out of funds before yeah. Linux Fest started. So what we're thinking of doing, and it's up to you guys are welcome to have first crack at it. We're going to put Angela's uh, t- the, the MacBook we've been talking about up on eBay uh, and see if people want it. Now, uh, because uh, we have it here in studio, you can have it however you like. If you'd like to have it with just OS X, uh, we can load it that way. If you'd like to have it with OS X and Arch or Antigros, we can do it that way. If you'd like Arch only, we can also do that and uh, ship it to you that way right straight from the JB1 studio. Now, it's going to get better, Chris, because we're not uh, we're actually offering it at a lower price. So we had a price point in our head, and we started a little bit lower mm-hmm. for the Mumble. So if you're yeah. in the Mumble room, then you get kind of first crack at, yeah. at a slightly reduced cost yeah. um, before we're going to crank it back the, up. Uh, the price of that uh, of the 512 drive when that was new alone was $1,000 in that laptop. Wow. Yeah. Man, we've come a long way. <laughs> yeah. So the, yeah, you really have. Uh, and so the in the picture here, you're seeing, if you're watching the video version, uh, that's the MacBook there running uh, uh, Antigros with uh, GNOME 3 and uh, the uh, Gnome to Shell dock extension there at the bottom. And uh, that's there in the other room. And it, uh, it, uh, it's a good machine. Like, if we had the money, I would just keep this as another production machine. When you keep looking over it and you go, man, mm-hmm. man it's a nice-looking machine. Well, I wish I could get it that really was like, it was a really all-out, like, our main, like, workhorse editing machine when, when the GPU died. And then, like, once the GPU died, it just sat on the shelf and never got used. Mm-hmm. And then Apple just refurbed it, basically, for us. I, would, I could put it to work if I had the funds. Yeah. But I, you know, we, just, but, we need to recoup the cost of this. Yeah, uh, we this, we just uh, right now, especially, we just, there's no money, there's no slush there, and and if we're gonna really be serious and want her to stick with something for a long time, uh, Angela is a savvy enough user that she wants to feel that it's a quality product. She mm-hmm. really needs to feel like this is. You know, like she likes the build of the MacBook. I right. think this is going to do that. Absolutely. It's it, in fact, there are a lot of things I like it actually better about the MacBook. One, it's not a MacBook, and two, it doesn't have an Apple logo on it. And three, uh, it's a little bit thinner, a little bit more portable, I think, um, than the MacBooks yeah. that I've had experience now, with. Now that said, though, you, I mean, we'll, we're going to put this in the show notes, and it's in the chat room right now. Uh, I I am not an advocate of Linux on a MacBook as your primary unless you're okay mm-hmm. with some tinkering. Now, yeah. What we were what we were kind of coming to is set it up and then DD the machine. Yeah. And that could that could cer- yep. certainly work too. Yep. But uh, if you're a geek, I don't think this is necessarily going to be a problem for you. If you are if you are if you are somebody that wants to set this up for somebody else and you want them to kind of run with it independently, that's where we have some real concerns. 
Um, it's uh, it's a 2011, and so it sort of sits in that spot where, like, Antigross, you get it going pretty easily, and then it takes about 15, 20 minutes of tweaks, and then if you really want to dial it in, it's about a little bit more than that once you get the mm-hmm. graphics and all that. So it's it's an interesting device, and uh, it's available there. And we'll let you know at Linux Fest how it all turns out. We did decide to go with Antigross again on the yoga. Yeah. Wimpy was asking, what do you think, Wimpy? Are we crazy? Yes. Uh, we've made a catastrophic error of judgment. Do you think this we have? Gonna, I've... I've made this mistake with my wife. I installed Arch Linux on my wife's computer with GNOME 3. And the only way I could keep her on a Linux-based operating system was to make my own damn distribution. So (laughs) So you've no idea the heartache and effort you're going to be putting into this. Here's here's what I'm working off of, Wimpy. And and tell me where where this logic falls apart. So I would be right there with you. If it was up to me and I was picking a a Linux distribution for a new user, it would be stock Ubuntu, and I would keep it as stock as I possibly could. However, there are three big factors to consider. One – Angela really likes GNOME, and she was not only blown away by GNOME, but she was impressed. She's used to using GNOME on Chris's laptop. Add to that, she has tried Ubuntu in the past, and it and and that that was turned down. So we're working with that. Second okay. of all, and this is a big thing, if it's in my house, I want to be familiar with it because I know who has to ultimately answer for those for those problems. And so if if we leave here with Angela running Ubuntu or Elementary or any of those other distributions, when she has problems and then Chris has to come home and she goes, hey, honey, uh, in addition to the lot and this and this, can you fix this? And then he sits down and he goes, oh, man, I just solved this problem on Arch. But I have no idea how to do it on XYZ. So there's right. that aspect to consider. So but- uh- – Here's the thing. So <laughs> I I went through I went through a period where I had all of my immediate family that were running Linux, running Arch Linux, mm-hmm. and you know I am an Arch Linux TU. I'm heavily invested in the Arch Linux community, right. but it did not go well. This is not an operating system you install on your mm. immediate family's computers yeah. that are not Linux savvy, because. What do you do about updates? You're responsible for doing those updates now. But is that a bad Have thing? You... Is yes, that a bad it thing? Is. He maintains control over when those updates Chris, occur. Chris, are you busy? I am. I am, but yeah. I see my logic yeah. is I have I have like three or four other machines I would do updates on before I do hers, so her, she she would be the last machine I yeah, update. I I had I had the exact same logic. Oh no! That, 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 that. <laughs> <laughs> this just doesn't work. You're just not going to get around to that machine. And what happens is months go by and then you think, damn it, I really need to do the updates. And then you've got all of those configuration conflicts to deal with. And suddenly what should be a simple task is a a mess that you need to unpickle and you don't have time to deal with it. And uh, 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 y- well, You're scaring the crap wise. out of me. You're scaring me. Anybody's- there is there's yeah. a slight thing that you haven't paid attention to. There is Rekai. Well, okay, yeah, that's he has true. nothing to do. But what well, I, I think, <laughs> who is it in the chat room is 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 saying the same thing that I'm thinking. KZ six fifty cent, um, Ubuntu gnome. Angela is not Chris. Angela doesn't know what the what she's missing by running uh, Ubuntu gnome three fourteen versus Ubuntu gnome three sixteen. Yeah, yeah, Chris, you might appreciate those differences, but mm-hmm. Angela won't. And if you went with that, with all of the automatic, you know, update utilities that that's got built into it, you can just let her accept the update prompts and hit 
you know, apply now, restart my computer. And, I mean, it, uh, it and sounds logical, but dude, distribution. Lawn, that makes the most sense to me. For up to mm. ten machines, you by far, just use landscape, and you could remotely uh, her machine supporting uh, Arch for my wife. I would yeah. sooner yeah. play in a blender. Well, see, I, I think well, so. <laughs> I, think, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to totally discredit Angela's ability. Your wife runs Arch. She does, and she installed it herself. Wow, and she knows yeah. probably less about. Is that is, can I say that on air? Or am I going to get in trouble? Hold on, think. Yeah, she, I think she knows less about uh, Linux and technology than Angela does, and mm. she was able to follow the wiki and figure it out. Um, I don't. A, I mean, I don't know. I am always for. <laughs> what man? What? R.I.P. No, everyone's saying R.I.P. No, um, no. It's it's one of those things where I. I, I Organically, I agree that that stock Ubuntu is usually going to be better for users. But in this particular case, having seen Angela's immediate reaction and having seen uh, how how she how she reacts to when she's using uh, Chris's computer, I think in this particular case, since everyone is kind of in that arch mode, and you know you know who does this. Linus Torvalds himself does this. He uses Fedora, and so he makes sure that all of his other computers in his house are using Fedora. And he specifically said that's because he doesn't like to run multiple distributions in his house. Yeah, and I mean, that's I even why I, that. that's I even can, why I put it on my server. Yeah, I can totally get behind that. See, but well, I, I feel like all you guys are saying don't run, don't run this for your wife's computer are also the same guys that tell me don't run it on my server. Yeah, no, no, that's not me at all. I'm just the guy that says. Yeah, I mean, you are you're computer. scaring me the most. <laughs> Because he well, makes the most nine, sense. Yeah, Chris, he's been Chris, there. Nine, yeah. nine, nine months in, it's easier to maintain oh. a whole distribution than look after one option <laughs> its installation on your wife's computer. Yeah. 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 So, I'd have oh, to agree no. with you this time, Wimpy, because, you know, there is a lot of kernel tweaks that go into the Ubuntu kernel, which so, kind of help a little bit of the hardware. So, But then um, here's where I get to. If I'm going to go with an Ubuntu base, then I start getting pulled towards elementary. And I love Matei, but I start thinking, well, then I should give her something that will really give her, a, you know, sort of a sex appeal that sort of yeah. she's used you, to, you, was, right? you were saying that Angela likes uh, the GNOME desktop, so why yeah. don't you go with Ubuntu GNOME? Yeah, We were just we're talking about all the advantages of PPAs earlier on in the show. You know, because what I was thinking is... good PPAs Because it kind of come down to either elementary OS or Ubuntu Mate 1504. Well, let's be clear. It wasn't so much GNOME specifically that drew her to it. It was the fact that she was using the same hardcore Linux that you were using. When you install Ubuntu GNOME, that then that changes. Well, yeah. And it's not the same thing. Mm. So I wonder if the appeal for her is going to change. And that brings us back to elementary. I the guess if you... Is, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I guess if you mirror... And like, if you have... If you keep frequent mirrors of everything to where it's just done, it's like everything's... It goes to crap. You just push a button. It all reverts back to what it was five minutes ago. It's fine, whatever. I mean, if you, if you have a push button solution for it, it makes sense. But I don't... I just don't grasp I got an idea. the advantage of I Arch. I what we do. I, I just don't get it. I think you're right. I think what we do is we let Angela pick. Do you want Arch or yeah, do you want you Ubuntu Mate well, 1504? And, here, and here's the other thing, yeah, too. The go. nice thing about this over over the old uh, Silver Sliver is with this, when she changes her mind, it's a matter of plugging in a different USB drive and restarting the yeah, machine. That's true. You know, it's true. no longer a weekend project. Yeah, that's all right. True. So we'll, 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 we'll make her a pitch and uh, we'll let her make the choice. Uh, and see what she thinks is best. I wouldn't be surprised if she goes with Arch, and then we'll load the yoga either way she chooses. Well, and make Remember, sure you're using a laser users. pointer and PowerPoint slides, because right. that really will help get your point across. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love well, that. <laughs> I remember, Chris, a lot of users don't ever realize or notice the underlying operating system very much. It's always yeah. the desktop experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. Always. Sure. I, I agree. I agree. I just want to make sure it's one that uh, she'll like. Uh, and I think we'll find it, and uh, we'll let you guys know. And so that cool. eBay auction is up now, and uh, don't worry, it's going so fast because uh, not—I don't think we've had it. Yeah, zero bids, zero bids. 
No, that's a, that's kind of what I expect. Won't stay that way for long, though. You think? With and this and we'll as see. someone at eBay, it's frequently it, watch for the snipers. You'll you'll see it pick up. Yeah, I said the same thing. Well, I'll tell you about another great deal. <laughs> How about our friends over at Ting? Go to linux.ting.com. That'll get twenty five dollars off your first device or twenty five dollars of credit if you have a Ting compatible device, and you probably do. Plus, it supports this show. Ting's got a GSM and CDMA network coverage. So when I say you probably have a device that works, you probably do. There's a lot of them. Ting is mobile that makes sense. Ting's my mobile service provider. Ting's Matt's mobile service provider. Ting is Noah's mobile service provider. We all use Ting and we all love it. Ting, no, do you have both phones with you right now or just the one I have phone? one. Oh, it's in the car. Yeah, the other one's in the car. Yeah. You know why? Because it's so small. I forget it everywhere. Well, and it's, why not? <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. So Noah got one of those $9 GSM uh, car uh, SIM cards from Ting and then he just pays for what he used. He just takes your minutes and messages and megabytes and they add them all up. Whatever bucket he falls into, that's what he pays. It's a flat $6 for the line so he can have an emergency phone with a $9 SIM sitting in his car that has two weeks of battery life and he's just paying for what he uses, which is not very much. That's why Jupiter Broadcasting is able to have three lines because I don't have a lot of money, but I, Ting, well, we just pay for what we use and we make a ton of Wi-Fi calls and they have some great devices on Ting. I'd like to recommend the Moto G if you're looking for a value device. $91 unlocked, modern version of Android, you own it, $6 for the line, no contract. That's wow. pretty sweet. Yeah. Now, it does get a little more crazy after that. Uh, Ting has just started directly selling the OnePlus One. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. One, you can now buy the Ting, from Ting, you can get the OnePlus uh, unlocked, get it on Ting, it's yours, you own it. What a great device. What a great device for the Ting network. What a perfect device for the Ting network. And then also, if you're like me and you've been looking at that Moto X2 second gen, Ting is now selling that directly as well. Unlocked, you own it. That's your rig. Go take it on the Ting network. Or if you have a GSM or CDMA device that works with them, you get $25 of service credit. That might pay for more than your first month. It did for mine. Yeah. A smartphone for under $25 a month. It is actually possible. Linux.ting.com. They got no hold customer service. A fantastic dashboard. And I really, really love the way they do business. Check them out, linux.ting.com. And a big thanks to Ting for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. I said, did you see this uh, story about the John Deere tractor stuff and uh, the software? And I got I'll just recap this for all of you who are maybe not following the story. It's it sort of lit up in our, our subreddit today. Uh, but uh, the headline from Wired reads, we can't let John Deere destroy the very idea of ownership. <clears throat> That's pretty bold. Yeah. Uh, in a particular spe- uh, spectacular display of corporate delusion, John Deere, the world's largest architectural m- uh, machinery maker, told the Copyright Office that farmers don't own their tractors because the computer code snakes through the DNA of modern tractors farmers receive. What they or farmers receive an implied license for the life of the vehicle to operate the vehicle. In other words, it's John Deere's tractor. You're just driving it. Several manufacturers recently submitted similar comments to the Copyright Office under an inquiry into the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Carrie Adams, a farmer, hasn't been able to fix an expensive transplanter because he doesn't have access to the diagnostic software he needs. He isn't alone. Many farmers are opting for older, computer-free equipment because of this very problem. Some companies have even leveraged the DMCA to stop owners from modifying programming on those products. So you might be wondering, what does copyright have to do with modifying a tractor? Uh, well, owners can tinker, you know, and you have homebrew hackers. Uh, they have to copy programming in order to modify it in the first place. Product makers don't like people messing with their stuff, so some manufacturers place DRM. When you break the DRM and make a copy, you are essentially violating copyright law. And that's how manufacturers can turn tinkers into pirates, and even if said pirates aren't circulating illegal copies of anything. John Deere, the company, argues that allowing people to alter the software, even for purposes of repair, 
would make it possible for pirates and third-party developers and less innovative competitors to free ride off the creativity and unique expression and ingenuity of the vehicle software. And the piece of le- resistance, as they say, piece of de resistance, resistance uh, in John Deere's argument, permitting owners to root around in the tractor's programming might lead to pirating music through the vehicle's entertainment system. Oh, they're really reaching here. Okay, so there's a few things wrong with this entire con- – first of all, if someone's going to actually decide to you know, break the DRM, they're going to find a way to do it. Second of all, if they're doing it for themselves because they've purchased the equipment, congratulations, they're already a customer. Let's not piss them off. And third of all, pirating music, I mean, the, the whole thing, mm-hmm. it, 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 they're just completely reaching for it. I mean, I watched a thing or a documentary yesterday showing how you can take most cars made out, and, and trucks made after 1996, flash the software, and wait for it, run alternative fuels right mm. now. No mm. additional hardware. So, you know, but, and, but because you can, it's illegal to change that software, same, same basic thing, this is not a new problem. It's mm. just now coming to light. Yeah, and the value of this is negative. So you're saying, Matt, that people are not buying twenty five thousand dollars tractors to pirate uh, music, and I have to yeah. agree with that. <laughs> and I, mean, no. I, I just I look at this at a situation. It's obvious what they're trying to do is just lock things yeah. down and oh. use copyright to do it. Uh, but it's a pretty scary thing when everything has software in it, uh, and it's not just. So we're picking on uh, John Deere. General Motors told the Copyright Office that proponents of copyright reform mistakenly conflate ownership of a vehicle. With ownership of the underlying computer software in the vehicle, i.e., the car you own, general in General Motors' opinion, you do not own the computer or the computer software in that car. But of course, you need to drive the car, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Convenient, right? I got to be honest. As a Linux user, this really kind of pisses me off. Mm-hmm. That yeah. should scare you. It should scare you that it's culturally acceptable that we can sell a device that you that the 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 concept even 10 15 years ago of buying a computer that you didn't have administrative access to would be ridiculous and yet we allow this now consistently with smartphones with smartphones yep. apparently with tractors apparently with cars we just don't think about it hmm. it's not good yeah root it all yeah, yeah, you, you do make them. If this is the true, what, how, where, what's their liability if with errors in that software that lead to loss of life? Uh, I do wonder about that. Other automa- automakers have pointed out that owners who make unsanctioned modifications, ooh, I like that one, could alter their vehicles in bad ways. They could tweak them to go faster or change no. engine parameters to run afoul. You know, uh, like APR tuning? I could tune my engine to run faster, too. Mm-hmm. Give me a you break. Know- or I could just apply more pressure to that pedal on the right, and I could also go faster without altering the software. Again, the argument's idiotic. It's yeah, it is pretty st- weak, isn't it? It's just terrible. GM says that locking people out helps innovation. This week, though, there is some good news. Senator Ron Widened uh, and uh, Janitor Jared Polis, I think is the last name, will introduce the Breaking Down Barriers to Innovation Act of 2015, which might help improve the DMCA process. We'll see. Although the there fair repair a- legislation also has some... Uh, Work to do. Well, we'll see where that goes. What were you going to say, Rod? No, I'm sorry, I didn't. There was a to- the Toyota had a problem where their their gas pedal got stuck. Yeah, and it was a software issue that they had. To, you had to go to their their dealership to get it to fix it. If it wasn't you know proprietary, you could actually fix it yourself. Toyota yeah. moving you yeah. forward, whether you want to or not. This uh, this kind of stuff is uh, is particularly spooky for those of us who are really hyper aware of how important software is to pretty much everything we get involved with now, everything we use, um, and. Uh, it does kind of like you think RMS was right, <laughs> in a way. Mm-hmm. I guess it's kind of what he's been saying all along, right? I'm just saying. Yeah, I think, uh, and unfortunately for on our, uh, the unfortunate thing for RMS is perhaps I think it's wasted effort. Perhaps it's been wasted effort because here we are, anyways. Mm-hmm. 
So what worries me about this is not just the big devices like uh, tractors that are used by farmers, but also the little devices like light bulbs. You know, the fact that yeah. you have to firmware update your light bulbs or firmware <laughs> update your fridge or something. And Dealing they can choose, if you've, if you've hacked it in some way, they can choose not to let that work. And so you're left in darkness or you're left with rotting food in your fridge because they've chosen not to allow you to, to fiddle with the stuff. And yeah, I agree with you. I think RMS was right in some ways with these things. Wow. Or even expanding on that, imagine if they thought that you adjusted it or they thought that you made an adjustment when in reality you didn't actually do anything. But because you've been labeled as such, we get the same result that was just pointed out to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. scary. Daredevil, you wanted to make comment on the sad consequences of the logic? Yeah. I, I think it's even worse because if you lock down and they, if they successfully keep locking down to, in this path, what eventually will come down to only certify developers on blah, 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 right. which already happens in yep. certain fields, yes. but it's going to expand to all of the fields. Like, kind of you have these, like you have for doctors, for software, because it will be everywhere, and you will have blah, blah, blah specification or certification, and a lot of the innovation will be just stagnating. I mean, ultimately... <laughs> That's what the locking down leads to. Hmm. If you to have access to the car, you have to pass blah, blah, blah specification. Right. Then, I mean, you're just going to study for that, that particular field. You're right. That and is then, sort of the inevitable conclusion of this logic. That's a great point I hadn't thought of. Uh, WW, I wanted to give you a chance to jump in on how you see this kind of happening with digital media today. It, it's already happening. I mean, the WikiLeaks stuff that just came out from the Sony hack that right. everybody that's in this IRC and in Mumble who watches TechSnap um, knows that, you know, Sony had that big hack, and now we're seeing the consequences of that. And what these companies are really doing behind your back, you have the evidence that anybody can go to WikiLeaks and just look it up, and you can see the interaction between these different companies on mm-hmm. digital media, and they want to control the content. They want to control what you see on any U.S. website now. So where is it going to end? If people should be literally up in arms about this, and they're not, and that's what I think is Yeah, you know because- what they're doing? And I, this, is, this, of course, only benefits me, but I think they're just going somewhere else. I think they're going to yeah. alternative yep. media. I think they're going mm-hmm. to podcasts. They're going to internet media. And those of us that become more aware of it, we seek out independent entertainment. And uh, I think they are going to be the catalyst of their own downfall because people will realize Brian Williams is just the tip of the iceberg, my friends. Yeah, And you can jump on. <laughs> you know, it's funny, too. When I, get, when I pick up a new passion or a new hobby, one of the first things I'll do is I'll jump on YouTube and I'll take a look and see what yeah. other people have channels yeah. and that they're yeah. talking about. it. Yeah. It's kind of fun, right? Yeah, you, you don't go on TV anymore for that kind no. of stuff. No, nah. no. Yeah. So maybe it's actually all for the good in the long run. We'll see. But uh, it is pretty – it is pretty um, – pretty frustrating to watch this kind of stuff happen and i would love to see uh, ron wyden successful with the breaking down barriers to innovation act uh, and you of course uh, i will have information in the show notes and the link to wired the, the link i have to wired has uh, links where you can contact the copyright office and uh, the the url to do that is specific for the dmca it's dmca.digitalrights digitalrightrepair.org dmca.digitalrightrepair.org and they have a way, a way for you to contact people and representatives I'll put a link to that in the chat room too if you guys want to get involved with that so maybe that can help maybe we can make a difference maybe good old Ron Wyden can help us out as well hmm mm, yeah 
I'm, you know, I'm probably one of those guys that's going to stand there on the top of my hood with both my middle fingers out going, I'm doing it, bite me. But that's just me. <laughs> you Matt, know, because I, I, that's more how I roll. I'll be there with you. I'll bring the hot dogs, okay? <laughs> you know, and set up a legal defense bond and just say yeah. this on them. Yeah, you, you bring the, you, I'll have the hot dogs. Matt, Matt will bring something gluten-free. You bring the beer. Okay. And that'll be our protest. Actually, yeah. uh, that sounds a little bit like Friday night, Matt. Uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if you have any plans Friday, but after we get set up at Bellingham in Linux for Linux Fest, we're going to take the crew out to dinner. I'd love to have you join us all. I'll contact you later in the week. I'll talk to you tomorrow about that. I'll see you yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Touch bit. I'll know, yeah. know more. What's I'll going tell you on all about the, about our cool plans on the weekend. And so, for those of you out in the audience, we want you to join us JBLive.tv Saturday and Sunday, or come say hi at Linux Fest Northwest. It's going to be really good. It'll be good to see all you guys there. Anything else we need to cover before we get out of here? Somebody buy that MacBook. Yeah, yeah, do that. That'll help us out a lot. Also, LinuxActionShow.reddit.com to make this show even better. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash contact and JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar for updates. See you next week, everybody. I think Wimpy talked me into 1504. I, I will get this. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't oh, know. God, I'm going to be so much easier. I'm going to call Ange. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> you think it'd be easier, really? Because <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah, well, okay. I don't have to do this yeah. live installer thing and then Lots all the drivers are But yep. uh, so, here, here's a sign of a broadcasting professional. What? When you hear the outro coming up and you're like, I will get everything I'm about to say out before the music starts <laughs> right at the perfect cut point. So it sounds like... An, okay. Ah, well, yeah. Yeah. And your, voice, your voice elevates right after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right there, I could do... It's like I'm doing an auction. Yeah. Uh, all so right. I have a question. Chris, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, using 1504 GNOME free at the moment, and it's awesome. <laughs> it's wonderful. Uh, it's really, 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 really fast, really reliable. I haven't had one single problem on it. I've got a 4 gig laptop with an Intel onboard graphics card. Nothing special, and it just runs it perfectly. What's the uh, support? Is it nine months for 1504? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> Hmm. Everything non LTS is nine months. Yeah, that's what I thought. What do you dislike but about you LTS? Can, you can upgrade <laughs> yeah. to please. Uh, stable nonsense. No, no so, problems. No, nonsense. No, no. L- LTS, Chris. Really? No, yeah, I second that, sir. I second that. So, so, Chris. Ah, so boring, the, you guys. The, the Ubuntu GNOME team maintain their own PPAs with the updated version of the desktop in there, so you can install. The LTS, you can add the PPAs for the desktop and the other applications that are important to you, and you can just maintain semi-rolling applications on top of a standard base. When I said to you, are you busy, Chris, the, <laughs> the, the extension of that question is, when are you... When do you have free time I know. to update Angela's computer when she is not using it? All right. But you, did, you don't. But you, run, you use Landscape. You <laughs> this, well, this Landscape is my point. You on your uh, machine, you Chris, log into Landscape, and you press a button that says update all my computers, and it just does it. And you don't worry about yeah, it. it, does it but unfortunately, it what we're talking about here is potentially Chris having one Ubuntu machine on yeah. the home network, yeah. not not 10 Ubuntu machines on the home network. All right. Well, so now I'm what wondering. I'm, so add, I'm it, trying... add, it to my, add it to my account, and I'll update that machine. So, so, so do I go? <laughs> So is it really better to go Ubuntu 1404 
with Gnome 3 PBAs or Matei 1404? What do you think she'd like better? Probably well, no. Yeah, that's what she was into. Why don't you ask her, Chris? And I want to try them both and see if either yeah. one works. Yeah. Yeah. And in uh, Ubuntu Mate because no, no, no. See that, that that's where everyone that, with that Mac-like interface, so you can share with that. That's where everyone oh, kind of falls off because this? we this has to get done like by the end of today so that she can try it. So that we can get back on. Yeah, yeah. We're swapping her out like this. We want to get her back in because you realize every day that we every day that we she doesn't have her new computer is one more day that we have to go collect all the data off of her her existing computer oh, and move yeah. it all over. Right. So there is no doing this twice. We need to get it right the first time. So, uh, Why the first time, time? Three times ago, right? Well, we're, we're, we're stopping to redo a write. We just, just don't want to go that Arch way. Just kind of screwed up your plans. It doesn't mean you Arch didn't screw up the plans. The MacBook screwed up the plans. How does Arch have anything to do with the plans? In fact, if anything, Arch has been the easiest distribution out of all of them to get running on there. We couldn't get well, elementary to boot. Lover, we couldn't get Ubuntu to boot. We couldn't get... Yeah. What else do we try? And th- and Noah's not like a, some arch maniac. No, over in here. fact, I really dislike Arch. In this particular case, he's right. It's the only one that even booted on the system. Much less. So let's, let's look at this logically. Saying. Okay, so we've established that Arch is working. Has- Ubuntu at some level wasn't really working out previously at all. At all. How so, but even though I'm not an Arch guy anymore necessarily, that kind of gravitates us to just sticking what's what's working. I think. Well, but now on- we're on. But now it doesn't matter because now we're on the yoga. You know, so now that, well, okay. So now we'll, I, we could. Oh, we could you're do on the, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay, now so the based on that, stick yeah. with GNOME, uh, Ubuntu GNOME, done. Yeah. You know, she's already grown to the, like the uh, desktop environment. Make, keep it simple. You know? JBTitles.com. Yeah, very rarely, I rarely ever recommend Ubuntu, but here I am doing it. I feel <laughs> like I feel like we she, recommend Ubuntu because we're all scared. Speaks. I feel no, like we, we recommend... do it because we're scared of no, we're we scared, scared of Linux. Scared we're of. scared of rolling software. Uh, yeah, we're no, all it's, a, it's a practical thing. It is a practical uh, scared thing because it's bitten me uh, enough times that uh, I'm willing to be scared. I know. About it. I just hate giving in. So let's well, say you have um, you have Arch, which like has like it's just this flood of perfectly flawless updates, <laughs> or you have a, and I'm saying that without laughing, and or you have a because I've broken shit so many times, or you have Ubuntu, which you know can still have issues. Obviously, you know, I'm both. Both op- options can roll back their packages just fine, easy enough, no big deal. Yeah. But I have less wonderful updates on one than I do the other. I guess for her, I, like, why is I guess for her now that Kubuntu. I get, <laughs> you know. Yeah. All right. All right. JBTitles.com. Hey, Let's get this Chris? thing banged out. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, minutes, so I from a, on there. what's that? I, I said five minutes. <laughs> I can have puppy on there. That's all you got. Five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. RMS you was would. right. It's not bad. That's excellent, mm. actually. Chris, does she not like Unity at all? No, she does not. No. But once you depart from Ubuntu, I almost say it at the risk you get my head bit off. I almost say elementary. You know, guys, she doesn't like Unity because she has choice. Mm. Elementary mm. has a lot of issues. How USB stick? Yeah. Who said elementary has a lot of issues? I've had a lot of issues. Yeah. I've had a lot yeah. of issues out of elementary. I have a lot of issues with their well, yeah. just in general. Yeah. I, I agree. But it's yeah. not an issue in elementary. I, I, <laughs> elementary US is a little bit too far removed from the parent project. Well, to, you, to, be, know, to be honest, I mean, I, I, would be, I would probably be more willing to go with it, but it's in beta. Yeah. Freya is. Yeah, that's true. So. Mm-hmm. No, it isn't. They released it. No, it was released. I thought Freya, I thought I, it was I a beta. I like released. the release. No, that no. was the final version. What? Yeah, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you ignore the 3,700 bugs in Launchpad, it's, it's final release. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yep, they're doing great. 4,000. I just thought was the final release. They only care about making a desktop, really. All yeah. the applications that Angela would probably need 
isn't part of elementary's vision, so they don't care about anything else other than their pantheon and you know, blessed applications. Well, no, she needs the web browser, she needs photo, and she needs mail, and they do all that. But yeah, yeah. Well, all right. They, so and they update absolutely. Bunch of gnome done. Still have to manage updates for everything. I think right now I'm leaving. Really more manual. If only three people are doing it, and you guys are all concerned if something is maintained, or really gonna put uh, someone rely on that. I think either way, doing it full time. I think either way we go, it's going to be okay. So I'm not too worried about it. Go safe. Go safe with with Ubuntu Gnome to start off initially. And then if you want to go to Arch or something like that, once she's been on it a little bit longer and got used to it, then, then go for it then. Yeah. All right. Here, here's the end of the thing. Is like, let me paint you a picture. You got two, three week circumstances. Three weeks from now, you're like, oh crap, I haven't updated that for a while. Which distro do you want to be faced with when doing that? I mean, you know. so I'll let you guys know so, uh, which well, way we go. Uh, yeah. We'll we'll uh, get the uh, installation going here in a few minutes uh, yeah. once we get off air, and then we'll update you guys soon. Have a great week, <laughs> and I'll see you tomorrow, Matt. All right, I'll see you then. All right, buddy. See you tomorrow.